Hello out there, and welcome to No Stupid Answers episode 15, the show with the most qualified people discussing and answering the most interesting questions from Reddit. I'm Colton Wallace. Josh and Lori are off this week, so I'm joined by PhD Dr. Jessica Yazarians. Hey! Our Generation Z representative, Quinn Foster. Hey guys, how's it going? And Consciousness itself, Scott Kudron. Greetings, everyone. Quinn, do you get tired of being the... Um... Oh, yeah, Gen Z update. What's new with Gen Z this week? <laughs> Gen Z this week. You know, I haven't been checking in with my, uh, my brethren, I guess, because I, I don't have any good updates for you, unfortunately. Um, I think I saw somebody try to intentionally hit a squirrel with their car today. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't know. What we kind were, of monster okay. is that? It was a left turn, and this person was in front of me. So we were turning left, and I saw this squirrel coming across the road. And normally you'd speed up out of the left turn anyways, so maybe he was just speeding up out of the turn and you didn't see the squirrel. But from my perspective, it looked like he sped up at the squirrel. Now, I don't know if that, it, you know, it makes you question humanity when you see stuff like that. I don't. I feel like in situations of uncertainty, I generally abide by the principle of Hanlon's razor. And what is that? Uh, Hanlon's razor effectively states, uh, you know, don't describe to malice that which can adequately be explained by stupidity or ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So hopefully, you just didn't see it. Can I get a razor? Uh, the, the only two I know of are Occam's Razor and Hanlon's Razor. I'm sure there are others. I just don't well, those know what are they the, are. The only two I know of as well, but can we get like a Colton's Razor? Uh, Is this a mythological thing or like what? It, where do the razors come from? Uh, they're generally found in philosophy. Um, Occam's razor, uh, I think, is mentioned in a few different fields like medicine. Occam's razor mm -hmm. effectively states like the simplest answer is you is often the correct one. Right. It's one of the things that I think it's also used a lot in like uh, conspiracy, like to disprove like conspiracy theories and such as well. Do you know why they're called razors? I, I don't. According to the internet, um, it's used in philosophy, and it's a principle or rule of thumb that allows one to eliminate, shave off, unlikely explanations for a phenomenon, or avoid unnecessary gotcha. actions. I'm going to go to work on Colton's razor. <laughs> what would your core tenet of the razor give, be? I can't give away my secrets yet. I need to. It's it's a secret project at this point. You need to refine it. Well, I guess we'll move on to the questions for this week. Um, our first question posted on Reddit by user The Eastern Banana. And the question is how to get over the fact that other people put in less work and effort, but still get the same or better results than me. And they go on to further describe their situation, which I will summarize here. Um, basically, the results from their last semester were not good for them. And they described that they put their time and effort mostly into one course and ignored other what they called filler courses. And despite this effort, they did not get exceptionally high marks in the one course that they focused so much on. And they're very frustrated by the situation. And I think I understand the frustration of, in this case, an academic system where you have to do courses that you feel don't have value to you. Um, and mm -hmm. what they're saying is they, they just kind of ignored spending a lot of time on those. And this is the result they got, which I think this is the result you're always going to get. You need to play the system that's in front of you. Well, I I feel like when I'm listening to something like this, I probably have 
like a lot of lot more questions than anything because mm-hmm. he's talking about a ma- like specific majors grade wonky so i'm kind of wondering if how much of a curve the professor is grading on because i know a lot of times like that can skew results on projects that kind of also leads me to wonder you know like what is the relationship with the prof- with the professor because i know um at the very least anecdotal evidence that suggests like you know if the if you have a good relationship with your professor if they can at least put a face to the name a lot of times that can actually lead to um uh, maybe just like the professor giving you the benefit of the doubt on certain things sure and that that's all fine but i feel like the glaring thing here is just the idea that the this person was ignoring the other filler courses like that that's that's what's wrong here you can't do that like if you want to succeed in a system you have to play by the rules of the game the system has you can't just go in here and be like oh i don't care about these courses well then you're going to get a bad grade in those and it's not going to work out for you long term to be successful in your academic time there like that to me that's the glaring thing here mm-hmm. I, I think what the user is saying what they're kind of pointing out is that, okay, they didn't do good overall, um, but they expected to do at least better in the one place that they put their effort. But then, you know, when you don't get the result you want after putting in a bunch of effort, um, it can be demoralizing. And I'm, I'm, that's what I'm reading from this, uh, this post. And I think that they're also making some type of valuation of the effort that the people around them put in, which I guess if you're studying all together, it can seem like you know exactly what your peers are doing, but I feel like it's not always fair to make those types of judgments. Mm -hmm. And and they say, um, I know for a fact that they put in less effort than me because we studied together and their final products weren't as good. And so like, it can be difficult to be objective when you're having kind of a negative emotional response about something, especially at that type of letdown. But like what I have learned through taking lots of different courses and having to contend with potential failures in those classes is that you can't know everything. And like sometimes even when you put in the most effort or do your best, even if it feels like it's not good enough, you're not doing as good as everybody else, you need to keep moving forward. Just keep working at it. To add on to that, um, maybe, maybe I'm looking at this too much from my perspective as I am now. I think when I was younger in college, early on, maybe I would have looked at how hard I was trying in a class two and said like, oh, well, mm-hmm. I, and, but, but what I came to realize and made it a lot better for me was that that was the wrong way to look at it. Like, look yeah. at what is required from this course. What do you, what do I want to get out of this course and what do I need to do to get a, you know, a higher mark in this course, a higher grade. So you don't want to look at it as a thing where you're basing so much about how well you do in this course. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know there's some majors you could be in where getting a high grade is the only way you get into like a a school after like a graduate program for certain things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're not in that, then don't base everything off of that. And if you do really want a higher grade, literally look at the things you need for a higher grade and focus on that. That's how you have to play it if you want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in agreement with pretty much everything that everybody has said so far. I think it can be sometimes an issue if you focus too much on comparing yourself to other people. 
because life isn't fair. Like some people it just may come easier than it does to you. Um, I've definitely experienced that. One of my um, best friends and roommates in college was like genius level, like barely studied and would just ace everything. And it just seems so unfair, but you, I mean, you can't do anything about it. So there's no, there's no sense in dwelling in it on it. And uh, like they said, you need to figure out what you can do to be better. Yeah. And in my experience, when I look back on like my grades in any of my college courses, I don't really remember what any of them were and I don't care about any of them. Um, and I'm, I think that's the way most people end up eventually. It, it really does. It really won't matter later on. I mean, obviously you want to do work to learn and work to attain a GPA good enough for what you need. But outside of that, I don't think you're going to look back and like, oh, here's the plaque of when I got this good grade in this course in college. (laughs) No one has those. So thanks for your question, the Eastern Banana. And we wish you luck in your academic future. Our next question posted on Reddit by user Peace Tea Time. And the question is, why on sports talk shows do they always yell like they're trying to talk over a crowded room, even though they're just sitting there? It's it's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> it does seem to always happen i don't watch that many you know sports talk shows but i think when it comes to sports people like to think they know a lot and i don't know why it's different with sports than anything else i might argue it's not different than everything else no so if you watch espn now the king of sports networks um you'll see these shows where these you'll have two pundits yelling at each other back and forth and just arguing about whatever news story they could find from that day. And it's a thing that's kind of become more and more prevalent over time on ESPN. It's you, you see it and it's almost like a, they have to keep going to higher and higher extremes in order to be the most extreme like sports network, because now there's other sport networks that also exist. Whereas like back in the 90s, they didn't really have anyone competing with them for that 24-hour news network spot. So now you have competing sports news networks and they all want to take the the newest story and then blow it up with two of their guys arguing about it for a half hour. (laughs) And I actually was looking for articles on this and I found one um, written. It was literally on ESPN. And it was written by Leanne Schreiber Obudsman. And um, I guess she was like at ESPN serving as like a a representative from like the public or somebody who wasn't really deep into sports. But anyways, I read her whole article on this and (laughs) she said, who are these people and why are they shouting at me? (laughs) she, She noted like when her viewing was interrupted by something like a phone call. And then when she returned back to her living room, it was like she could hear how they were like just yelling and how like over exuberant everything was. Um, and she goes on to talk about how the talkers need material. And then she describes a situation where Michael Vick, who was a football player, they found like they they suspected marijuana residue on like a water bottle he was carrying. And then the next day it was the story all over ESPN and all the pundits were, you know, making all these content. They were just making content around this all day and then comes out later 
that everything was dropped and there was no actual no actual crime. And then she notes that there were no apologies or corrections later on. Hmm. And I don't know if that reminds you of anything else that exists in the world, but to me this sounds exactly like what you see with news networks where you you had very few news networks a long time ago, but over time through the 2000s you had more news networks and then you have multiple news networks competing with each other to try and have the most extreme stories. And then they just do this stuff and then they don't make apologies or corrections later on when the shit they had was just made up. Um, so I I think to me, when I look at this ESPN stuff and like when I turn on ESPN now and see this stuff, it it seems like that to me, it's like, holy shit, calm down. It's just, it's just, they, they blow up everything way out of proportion on ESPN and you see it on the other news networks too, because they're copying what ESPN does to try and have them that that's how they get the viewers because everyone wants to hear him flipping out about whatever, you know, the popular NFL quarterback did over the weekend and how he's ruining his team. And they just make like a day's worth of content out of it. Did they do this on like sports podcasts as well? Like you listen to some sports podcasts. Um, I don't know about most sports podcasts. There, there is a sports podcast, pardon my take, which I think bases itself off of making fun of a lot of that punditry. (laughs) Um, So I, I think, that that's kind of the origin of all of the pundits yelling all the time on sports networks. And I think you see it the same on other kind of competing cable channels, like where they're ratcheting it up higher and higher in it. That's what 24 hour sports networks seem like they've turned into. Right. It's like news is entertainment, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Correct. And I do, I do agree with you now that I you know, think more about it. Cause there are certain pundits that are known for their fiery you know outbursts like Stephen a smith is a good example skip bayless and so i think it, it is common and i think that these entertainment and media companies are looking for a personality that you know gets people interested with you know getting fired up or having hot takes that piss people off because you know yeah. stuff that pisses people off gets them watching and not, I guess not to exonerate newer media, like you, you see the same stuff with uh, YouTube, like where would just do the craziest thing he could think of and then everyone would watch the video. So he just would continue to do that. So it, it's in the same way you see it there. It's a ratcheting up of extremes to get more viewers. Right. And this is like distinctly different um, than like when you're watching um like a game or something and the announcers are like just going crazy because like something's happening. So this is like different than that. Like this is just like people screaming, like just losing their shit like about like some drama. Yeah. And as you just stated, they're like in a studio sitting across each other at a table (laughs) and they're like, no, it is LeBron James. And then the one guy points to his hand. He's like, how many rings, bro? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I one thing I will say though I think with sports kind of talk shows I think you do get a little bit more of the actual arguments on air whereas like mm-hmm. traditional media you don't normally see two people talking about something that have vastly different um opinions on it so like you usually have like you know your and your 
where it's like you can kind of expect the hosts to have the similar views and they won't bring on mm-hmm. too many people with opposing views. But with sports, usually that's they kind of play for it. Like someone will have a take that the host think is like the stupidest thing ever. And then they get into that big argument and it just, you know, bubbles up and, and creates this content like you're talking about. So I think it is a little different, but I think news as entertainment is still kind of, you know, the same idea. All right. Thank you for the question. Peace tea time. Um, we'll be back after this short break. Hey, ad break here. Have you ever wondered where you can find a tier list of all the films featuring Nicolas Cage? Wonder no more. Introducing Ranking of Cage, a journey to create the ultimate tier list of Nicolas Cage movies. First episode to be released on YouTube Friday, July 29th from the S-Rank Media Club. Find Ranking of Cage on the S-Rank Media Club YouTube channel, releasing this Friday, July 29th. Welcome back to the podcast. Next, we have a story to bring you from the MIV Asshole Board. Um, the asshole is going to be pretty obvious, so I don't know that we'll have to point that out. So the story goes like this. I'll start this off by saying that I have been with my husband, Bob, for three years, married for one. His mom has a habit of keeping me out of most of their functions with the excuse of, you work too much. Not true, because sometimes I do make myself available, but yet find myself excluded. Last week, his mom invited us for a celebratory dinner at the restaurant after she completed her recovery. I had to work that day, but I let her know, I let everyone know that I'd be there at 8 p.m. Bob obviously knew I was coming. Thing is, when I arrived to the restaurant, I saw that the table was full. All chairs had been taken, and I just stood there with a complete puzzlement while Bob and his mom just stared at me. His mom then told me there was no place left for me and that I could either have Bob get up and take his seat or go home. I was so upset, but instead of going home, I just went and took an entire table for myself. Bob and his mom watched me with their eyes popping out of their heads like they saw something so shocking. Not gonna lie, I did get weird looks from the guests, but so did Bob and his mom. It was awkward, in all honesty. I had my dinner, dessert, then went home. I saw Bob and his mom staring grudgingly while I was making my way out. He got home an hour later and yelled, saying I embarrassed him and his mom in front of her guests. I yelled, asking what the fuck was I supposed to do after I got denied a seat, and he told me that it wasn't his nor his mom's fault. Guests arrived before me and took all the available chairs. I told him he could have saved me a chair. He said that I could have just left instead and reminded me that I was a guest and I shouldn't expect this level of entitlement. He then went on about how I ruined the entire dinner for him and his mom and what I did and has been pounding about it for days now. I don't get it. I really don't. It was my ex- was my expectation really that entitled? I mean, as his wife, sh- he should have saved me a seat. I don't think she's an asshole. Agreed. But also, I feel like if you're going to host a party at a, a restaurant, you know how many people are planning to attend, so you ask for a table that can seat the amount right. of guests that <laughs> are attending, and then you don't have a problem. It seems like malicious. Like They like intentionally left her out. Is the way I read it. It's how I would feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is wild. <laughs> how do you 
How do you stay with a man for three years? Yeah. Like, what's it been you- like before this? <laughs> this is crazy. I, I don't understand. If you did that to me, I'd be so fucking pissed. I'd be like, we're getting a divorce. That's- I mean, it wouldn't like... <laughs> I mean, am I, um, am I the asshole? Basically, everyone should break up all the time. Like, that's always the answer. I Well, it, you know, if this is the one single event, sure. But I, I just... What, so what the hell else goes on in this relationship? I don't know, dude. But this is like the opposite of common courtesy and like just like basic human decency like you just don't do this like what what is going on i wouldn't even do this to people i mildly didn't like right i can't help but notice like how much of a trend this is on this on this particular board is like i've read multiple stories on am i the asshole board and a lot of them are all about this really concerning level of either attachment or inability to stand up to like the husband like the husband and the mother's relationship mm, yeah it seems like even though bob is 39 years old i think he was living with his mom well we don't he was 38 we don't mom shame on this podcast <laughs> but yeah sentiment agreed I'm not trying to mom shame. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get it. And I also like just don't understand another thing I've noticed in, in this board is that people are like, you humiliated me, like after they were like complete assholes. The husband here thinks that they were humiliated by the wife. And it's like no, it's the opposite. Like, it's such a dick move to deny her a seat at the table in front of everybody. Like, that would be so hurtful. I think that that is embarrassing to the wife. She's not wanted or important enough to include. Like, it's just so yeah. weird. Can you imagine being a guest at the table? Right. That's like a public... I, it, it's like a public diss, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd have the confidence to go sit down at a table by myself and, and do a full course dinner while everybody's looking at you. And if she's going to that extreme, has this been building up with other stuff? Right. I think it depends on how, what kind of mood you're in that day. Because that is an extreme measure to take and it's super awkward, but also you could kind of see where you get to that. Yeah, they totally deserved it. And it kind of like a contempt thing, which I have read is a relationship killer. If you reach a level of contempt within your relationship or disgust that I think is exemplified in this in this scenario, I feel like that's like the death toll of the relationship. I don't know if like Kudra, if you have any insight into this as a psychologist. I, I mean, I would agree with you. I'm, I'm going to disclaimer this by saying I am not at all a certified family or marriage counselor. Or anything Sorry to like call that. you out. <laughs> Hashtag not therapeutic advice. <laughs> this is probably, so I think like to echo what everyone else is saying, this is probably not the first time this has happened. I feel like this does kind of show, this probably does show either a valuing the mother over the wife or or just a general maybe even just a probably a slight i mean at absolute best it's the slight at absolute worst it's just complete disregard i mean i mean i don't i'm not going to sit here and scream like the rest of the reddit board like it's time for a <laughs> time for a divorce but i at the very least uh something here would have to change and based on the fact that the husband's been sulking about it for days and they haven't really been they haven't really spoken to one another after the fact that also that really just speaks to a major problem with communication in this marriage and that's never a good sign right 
So it wouldn't be a case of Hanlon's <laughs> razor then. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe again, it's just my bias with the fact that, like, I feel like I've seen multiple stories on this board with this relationship between the husband and the and between the relationship dynamics of the husband, the wife, and the mother, and like, or like the mother-in-law, and it's just like, I don't know. I just can't believe, like, in a normal marriage, though, Bob would get yeah. up and go sit with his wife. I feel yeah, like that's yeah, correct. Absolutely, like normal would not treat each other like this yeah and i'm definitely less inclined to agree with the hanlon's razor uh perspective when the mother when the mother-in-law purposely said uh you can just go home yeah so yeah. like that that's pretty that's her right, intention right. that's a good point that's very vindictive for or malicious it really is it's mean girls shit it yeah yeah, and you'd think like you'd think by the time we're in our thirties, we're past that. But oh no, I don't think people's capacity for pettiness is like a thing that like gets better <laughs> with age. I think it can be cultivated <laughs> over time. Also, why didn't she just like get a chair and literally just pull it up to the table? I would have made everybody move. That's actually the move I would have done. Like, it would have been like, all right, shimmy down. We're fitting me in. All right. Uh, throw away dinner 344. Good luck with your marriage. <laughs> Ouch. You <laughs> um, should drop Bob. <laughs> Bye. Wow. Bye. <laughs> Our last question this week, posted on Reddit by user VacBoy. And the question is, do razor blades actually need to be so disposable? So do you guys use uh, disposable razors, or what do you use? Absolutely not. Um, safety razor over here. Um, I have a couple of them. And I mean, at, to me, safety razors are really nice. I mean, you, you just have the single blade. You can swap them in and out uh, when they get dull. It uh, saves uh, saves a lot on waste. And the I mean, like the steel safety razors themselves, like the, the handles and the casings and such, like those do last forever so yeah i also use safety razors though i would not discourage the straight razor like if you're if you really want to become a shaving aficionado the straight razor yeah i'm going to recommend as against that as the ability to cut yourself i mean i cut i still cut myself with a safety razor which is ironic considering its name first of all i'm not a rapper well it's called a safety razor because it's in comparison to a straight razor, yeah. which is literally just a knife One, that you put on your throat. Yeah, one's a murder weapon, <laughs> and one is a razor. That's Whoa, where the name comes from. That, that might be a little high, hyperbole there. But. <laughs> yeah, I use an electric razor. I don't usually oh, go gotcha. clean so i gotta I so keep a I, I i don't cut mine completely clean either but um i have to shave my lines because i have hair that grows further down on my neck than i would like and further up my cheeks than i would like for the lines of my beard so i use the safety razor to cut the lines if you want your beard to look clean you should use a safety razor to cut your lines it will look much better I, I guess that's a good option if you can grow a good beard, but like mine is so. Mine just does not grow in well on the sides and it drives me nuts. Like I got the goatee, but I just don't have it on the sides. When I think of goatee, I think of like those 90s like villains 
because I feel like they all had them. <laughs> so do razor blades actually need to be so disposable? And the answer is no, and they didn't used to be because people used to use things like safety razors. Um, but then disposable razors became popular and that popularity continued to grow until you're at where you are now, where I imagine disposable razors are the predominant. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're so expensive. They really are. Like the cartridges. The razor heads. Yeah. Like you have to get like somebody from literally any store you buy them in to like unlock a cabinet to like get you a pack of like four. Yeah. Once you you have a safety razor, you can buy blades for, all you have to do is buy blades. Once you have the uh, actual razor itself, you just buy the, um, the, the handle, you just buy the blades and they're mega cheap. They're like a dollar. Not yeah. even ex- under exaggerating. So if you if you're out there and you're looking to get into safety razors, just uh, hit me up on Twitter and I can help you out. Um, it's definitely the way to go. It'll give you a better shave too. Mm-hmm. This is it's like interesting that I've seen um, marketing for safety razors for women more recently. So like, there's mm-hmm. one that like. Um, comes in like cute colors. Um, they're pretty expensive. You can get it at Sephora though, so it's like you know, it's, it's for women. It's for women, right? A- as we know, <laughs> if you're a woman, you should only use products marketed towards women, and yeah. if you're a man, you should only use products marketed toward a man. Let's not forget the pink text. Yeah, you got to be careful. Guy <laughs> never knew anything about safety razors until. Um, I met Colton and he was using a safety razor and they're pretty cool. I mean, it's just like, it's more economical and like more environmentally conscientious as well. Like you're not just throwing away a bunch of plastic all the time. Uh Just makes a lot more sense to, to use them. Um, So I don't know, maybe I should get a safety razor too. I'll get a pink one. (laughs) (laughs) It's that planned obsolescence, right? But they ran out of like blades. Like once they put like six blades on there, they're like, okay, can we really do seven? Right. It's like where they like add like the ball and then they add like the, oh, it's got four razors and the priming strip or or all those different gimmicks that mean nothing. They're the worst products ever. I've just come to that realization now (laughs) as we're talking about this. All right. Disposable razors, worst product ever. Put it on the list. They're out. (laughs) i usually don't believe that old timey products or like vintage things are always better i like vintage things style wise like clothes and things but colton and i talk about this a lot where he's like vintage sucks (laughs) it's probably got lead in it i don't know he'll (laughs) say stuff like that in the case of razors i feel like this is a clear example of how vintage technology of a safety razor is actually a better option than like modern iterations and um I think modern safety razors are pretty good. Maybe modern technologies of razor, but you know, buy yourself a nice safety razor for like thirty bucks or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think they usually cost a little more than that. Buy a nicer one then. Yeah, we were watching this thing about like it was like renovations or something. It was like old house, and some people knocked a bathroom wall out, and out just popped hundreds of like used razors. razors. (laughs) Put these in the wall back here. Yeah, they used to have receptacles like in the bathroom wall, and they. It kind of makes you want to do it, doesn't it? Like put a little (laughs) slot in the wall and just start putting all your safety razors back there for like. 
five decades. In like 60 years, somebody comes through and opens the wall and there's just... <laughs> yeah, you couldn't do that with cartridges, that's oh, all I'm geez. saying. Nope, just affirmation. Switch to safety razors. You won't regret it. We should plug ma- maggard razors as well. Thanks for the question, Vacboy. Um, we hope you get a safety razor. That's all the questions we have for this week. You can see the questions we discussed on the show or share the best questions you find with us on Reddit at our subreddit, r slash nostupidanswerspod. Um, you can follow the show on Twitter at nosa underscore podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. You can also check out a show that I do along with Quinn and Scott Kudron here, and we do that <laughs> show. Miso. <laughs> That's my dog barking in the background. You can check out the show I do with Scott and Quinn, and that's S-Rank Media Club, and you can find us at 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday nights on Twitch. And uh, we'll see you next time. I think it's all about the money as, as usual, though.